Kevin Bowen here. Don't forget to listen to The Fan now on 93.5 or 107.5 FM. And check out our latest coverage online at 1075thefan.com. One of my favorite weeks of the year. It is NFL Combine Week here in Indianapolis. We're back on Kevin's Corner, Kevin Bowen. And Chris Presley um, is back with us in studio. Um, Outside of the Indiana Convention Center, we've been doing the morning show over there this week, um, but decided to hop back over here at MS Communications for another edition of the pod. Uh, Chris, I don't know. I just feel like maybe it's good weather, and that probably adds to it, but... uh, I always enjoy this week. I think it's terrific for the city of Indianapolis. I don't need to rant and rave about why the Combine should stay there um, or stay here, I should say. That's obvious, but um, I I do think it's a beneficial week in so many facets of the NFL, not just the on-field workouts, which I think people solely kind of look at that and think it's the main draw. For fans, it's the main draw, but so much business is done behind the scenes. We're two weeks away from free agency. Yeah. I feel like we forget about that as well. So um, I don't know how you feel about the combine, but I am always a fan of it and really, really am happy and grateful that it's in our city. Yeah, love having it here. I think um, Eddie White, who, if you listen to our station locally, obviously does the Pacers postgame show. Yeah, he was on with us on Monday. He, I mean, he and everyone else, they always speak, and not only for the Combine, for the Final Four, for things of that nature, writers, reporters, media people, they love coming to a place like Indy because everything's walkable. You have a, a, a lot of great local places and, and and dives that kind of people don't necessarily know about. Um, but you also have just this ambiance that, NFL scouts and and uh, coaches just enjoy being a part of a city like this. And I know they're thinking about moving it to L.A. And, you know, that's all political and whatever. But this is so great. And like you said, this week it's in the 60s here. I mean, you walk outside, put the sunglasses on. Yeah. I mean, you're probably looking forward to the Masters coming up yeah. here. It feels like it's coming up. I mean, you don't have to tell me twice about that, man. Yeah. So yeah, it's 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 a great time to be in Indianapolis, and I enjoy the fact that there's times where people hate coming downtown, but I love coming downtown every day. Yeah, I would agree. Um, you know, combine from a cover of a team standpoint, you do get to hear from your GM and head coach, which I think is always beneficial. Just a couple of weeks before free agency and that will be our, our main topic today on this podcast recapping what Chris Ballard specifically had to say Frank Reich had, had some thoughts as well but I still think it's a time with the GM voice carries a little bit more weight at this point of the offseason and then Twitter questions as always uh, so let's start with the Ballard takeaways and we'll begin with the quarterback uh, as of Tuesday, March 1st, and us recording this the day after. We're, we're recording this late Wednesday morning. Um, for those that are waiting to hear maybe Chris Ballard on Dan Dockich later today, we are recording this a little bit before that. Mm-hmm. Um, but once again, Chris, two weeks away from free agency, they are extremely noncommittal on Carson Wentz. And that tells me enough. That that says to me everything. Uh, you know, what does that say when you've given up a first and third round pick? And this is a guy that, you know, you're paying top 10 quarterback money to moving forward. You know, it's one of those things where um, you hear Chris Bauer talk about Carson Wentz, and I would imagine it to, like, Scott Dolson, the Indiana University AD, talking about Archie Miller in February of last year. Like, just the inevitable end, but yet you really can't say that in a public manner. 
it's really unheard of to me, Chris. And I was interested in this. I was thinking of myself walking into that convention center yesterday. All right. Are the Colts going to change their tone at all on wins? For one, they could change their tone totally and be nearly two months removed from the last time we heard them talk. And the raw emotions of the embarrassing loss in Jacksonville will have subsided to a degree. And maybe they're going to say, all right, you know, we kind of like Carson. We, we, you know... We feel like there's more there. There's something to work with. Um, none of that. None of that. Like, I didn't hear an ounce of trying to drive up trade value if you were trying to play that game. And I think that was an element that kind of crept into my mind of, like, will they go that route either? Um, I saw there was kind of a tweet going around NFL-wise of, like, be wary of what GMs or coaches say at the Combine. They took all these screenshots from GMs and coaches speaking and respective media um, sites over the last couple of combines. And, like, maybe it was Matt Rule being like, we're really excited about Cam Newton. Or, you know, it was Washington being like, we're really excited about insert quarterback here. Mm -hmm. And yet those teams went a different direction than that very free agency or very offseason. Like, Ballard gave no one – he gave freezing cold takes no ammo (laughs) yesterday. Like, it's not like he was like – you know what, we, we we really think Carson still has, you know, a lot left in him. I'm like, man, for the second time this offseason, if you're in the Carson Wentz camp, you're like, where's the number of the real estate agent again? Yeah. I mean, that's that's the takeaway that I have from this. Um, you know, I asked him a question about does the available quarterbacks, and really the lack thereof, realistic available mm-hmm. QBs for agency in the draft, does that influence your decision? And he was like, not a whole lot. I mean, something you think about, but, you know, that seems to be the always kind of the saving grace for those that still want Wentz back. It's like, who else? That, that's the popular question. That doesn't seem like that's weighing on the Colts that that much with this process. Um, Carson Wentz and Chris Bauer met on Tuesday for about an hour. Um, I think it was just probably a lay of the land of, hey, this is where things sit. With Jim, with Frank, with myself, we're going to go over some things over the next 10 days, and then we'll make a decision from there. Um, several with a, with a guy that young, do you ask him where he might want to go? Um, Maybe out of curiosity, but no, I, I don't think you're in a position where Carson Wentz can dictate that. Yeah. You know, how rare is it, Chris, to see a QB potentially find a third different home before the age of 30? Um it's rare, so I think you would happily try and move him to whoever's going to give you mm. the best price. There are a couple of quarterback-specific stuff that I still want to hit on Wentz-related. Bowd was asked about traits he loves at quarterback. He mentions accuracy. Immediately pops into my head, all right, Carson Wentz, 25th in completion percentage last year. He mentions leadership. We've now heard Ballard talk for about 90 minutes this offseason. I'd be hard-pressed to find any mention or reference of leadership to the degree that they mentioned it with Jacoby Brissett a couple off-seasons ago. I have never been in this, like, Carson Wentz is a bad teammate. I just think with how his career has transpired, what happened in Philly, fair or unfair, that has painted a picture. And I think some Colts teammates... Felt a little bit of like, oh boy, late in the season, is this what happened? In fit? Like, is this why the Eagles said no? 
again, I don't think he's a bad teammate. I mean, hell, you point to whatever you see on social media with Jonathan Taylor and Julian Blackman and, you know, whoever else, Darius Leonard, you know, commenting on the Wentz and Michael Pittman, Desmond Patman Instagram. Like, again, I don't think like this ill will towards him. I think there's skepticism towards him. There's uncertainty towards him. You might not feel it until the heat of the battle ramps up, but I think that's where it's just a little bit of like, man, I don't know if this is like the ultimate follower leader. And again, it's a high standard for leader at quarterback in the yeah. NFL for the Colts, but that's where they're at. And then lastly, Chris, Ballard mentioned, can you make the crucial plays that win games? Ballard is extremely upset at the Colts' 2-5 and five record in one-score games this past season. Ballard, or excuse me, Wentz is not deserve the full blame for that at all. There is several areas of this football team and coaching staff you can point to and being two and five in those one possession games. But if you look at the Wentz numbers and how they evolved through games and how they evolved through seasons, he wilted at the end of the season and he wilted as games moved along. A very nice passer rating early in games. When it's scripted, Chris yeah. In rhythm, the offense is moving it. The passing mm-hmm. offense has their most success. But as the game moves along, in particular the fourth quarter, the turnover numbers ramp ramped up, the efficiency of the passing offense ramped up as well. So, you know, when he pointed to those three things, he really wasn't saying it, I don't think, directly about Wentz, but it got me thinking about, okay, how would those compare to the co- current quarterback? And it doesn't paint a pretty picture. A couple other things stood out to me. Um he was asked about the thought of when the Colts will find a long-term answer at quarterback. Obviously a popular question Colts yes. fans have. Mm-hmm. Considering, I mean, Chris, there's a, I don't know, I think it's fair to say a good chance you could be having, what, your sixth different week one starter in a row? Tolzine, Luck, Bursette, Rivers, Wentz, and then Rivers, Wentz, and whoever's potentially next, yeah. 2022. Yeah. So, Ballard says this, it's a very fair question and one I think about all the time. It also comes from a measured place of, you've got to be right. You have to be right. And even if you aren't right all the time, that's the one position you have to keep firing your way until you get it right. End quote. Someone interjected and said, well, didn't you fire last year, i.e., First and third round pick for Wentz. Mm-hmm. Ballard says, yes, but we have to get it right. To me, acknowledging we didn't get it right. And now it's time to swing again. And again, I don't disagree with him, but I think it's him admitting of like, just because you swung for the fences and hit a deep fly ball the previous at-bat doesn't right. mean at, the next at-bat, the bat sits on your shoulder. No, I mean, you got to get it off. <laughs> I've made the golf analogy to golf outings. Don't be in my group at a golf outing if you want to come out and hit three wood and work on your swing. We're out here to hit the freaking driver as far as we can and see what happens. Um, my only thing is we don't have capital to go get a quarterback. Totally acknowledge that, Chris. Totally acknowledge it. I also think there comes a level of you saying to your locker room, guys, we're paying this guy to be top ten quarterback, and he's not doing that. And but you also have to give him weapons. We, I agree with that as well. Um, I think you look at Phillip Rivers and very similar weaponry, and Phillip Rivers had a much more efficient passing offense. Um, I have never been on the boat of, like, this is solely Carson Wentz's issue, but the root of it is the quarterback for me because the weapons, without Jonathan Taylor having 
a rushing year unlike any other. Yeah. Um, Rivers didn't have that, and you still were able to move the football. Um, so, to me, it's it's twofold. Um, the answer might not be some drastic improvement, but I also think it's important that you say to your locker room and show your locker room that you are not accepting the level of play. Again, you're paying Carson Wentz to be a top-ten quarterback, mm-hmm. and he, he he's not that, and he didn't get there this past season. A uh, couple of, of others, just quickly, a quarterback. You asked about the difficulty of playing that position. Um, he used some phrase, it's not for the weak-minded. There's a mental grind. Um, I think it's fair to have questions about where Carson Wentz is at mentally. I would say that for just about any QB that's had the career path and ups and downs, <laughs> and lately more downs and ups, of what Wentz has had. Um, when I asked him about that available quarterbacks, like how would that influence your decision-making, you know, Ballard said something in his answer like, you have to find a QB that you believe in. Well, then Mike Wells followed up with, and I know a lot of people have asked me about this, like Wells followed up with like, you know, you say you have to find a quarterback that you believe in, so you're saying you don't believe in Carson. And Ballard, you know, kind of backtracked and was like, whoa, 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 you know, I'm not, well, I was like, well, you just said that in your previous, you know, you, you have to go find a QB that you believe in. Um, I just felt like there was a couple of moments, and then Ballard added, I guess, to clarify on that question, he goes, I'm not sure. If I do believe in him. And Chris, if we're sitting here on March 1st, and you're still questioning your belief, that means you're showing your cards to me. Right. So I think Jim Mercer and Chris Ballard are on the same page. I think Frank Reich um, still believes, but, you know, it sounds like me, you know, trying to explain to my parents and justify why I got a C- minus in geometry. <laughs> well, but, you know, well, you know, well, I mean... God, you know, the teacher, uh, Mr. Schroeder, just doesn't do this and doesn't do that. And, you know, well, I, I was sitting next to people that were talking to my, like, it just has that feel to it. Um, I totally get where you're coming from um, in the other answers that are out there. But part of me is just like, isn't it just kind of a loser mentality to run it back with a guy that you already know the answer on? When you know the answer, I'm in the camp of you – you move on. The other answers aren't going to be great. Um, they certainly aren't great in this offseason. It's one of the worst quarterback offseasons you'll probably ever see, uh, assuming Rodgers and Wilson and Watson and those dominoes mm-hmm. don't start to fall there. So, um, Any other quarterback thoughts, Chris, before we uh, maybe move on to wideouts? No, let's let's jump into wideouts. What are your thoughts there? Or Anything that Frank Reich said this weekend or week that you want to touch on? So wideout-wise, I think the big one was T.Y. Hilton potentially playing in 2022 and his expressed desire. Um, you know, Reggie Wayne mm-hmm. coming on. Uh, it looks like that will be official after the combine. You know, that is something that i definitely curious about. I'm probably in the minority of this, Chris. I still think T.Y. Hilton can give you some quality football. I don't think it's a lot of quality football, but having him in my wideout room would make me sleep a little better at night than having a lot of those other guys in the wideout room. Let me make this abundantly clear. I can say bring back T.Y. Hilton and say, if you sniff one year $10 million, that's a mistake. It needs to be one year, and we're talking in the, you count his million on one hand. And preferably, you don't get all the way to your fifth finger. Basically a million per 100 yards that he's going to receive. <laughs> well, you know, hopefully, for the Colts' sake, that, that that gets a little higher than just five. One for four, one for three, something along those lines. I think his leadership, his presence, 
means something. I also think there were times this year that T.Y. Hilton is not creating tons of separation. There are times this year, i.e. the Oakland game, where he was open Mm -hmm. for the Raiders game, and you just missed him. So um, the other thing I want to make clear is financially, I've said what I said about Hilton, but Chris, with him and Paris Campbell, who's still under contract, and I don't think you should cut him. It's like a million dollars, which is minuscule. Um, I do think when he's healthy, he gives you a flash or two. Mm-hmm. You've got to act like those dude, dudes aren't on your football team. Like they are not, they don't exist. So when you attack the wide receiver need, you cannot sit here and question it in your room and say, well, guys, we've got T.Y. and Paris. Yeah. Dude, you know, no, you don't. Like that's how you have to look at it. That's how you have to view that position for different reasons. They cannot be relied on. They have to be look at kind of luxury items in that wide receiver room. So if I want to go out and get Chris Godwin, you do that. And then it's a Michael Pittman. And then it's a Chris Godwin. And then maybe it's a T.Y. Maybe it's a Campbell. And if not, then you get into a Doolin or Patman or you know Strawn, whoever else. I don't know. You re-signed Pascal. I think last year was a fluke. Wherever you want to go there. I felt like I heard from Ballard yesterday, Chris. A little bit more of wide receiver being a need. I know some of you have tweeted at me kind of the back and forth he had with me, or you know he said he listened and 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 reads, which I'm very grateful that he does listen. There's these meters we can give him to indicate that he's listening to the show. That would be great. You know, that that would be great. <laughs> um, that would uh, help us from a money in the pocket standpoint. But anyways, um, a question I had going into yesterday was: Did the playoffs shift your thinking? How do you not watch the playoffs, Chris, and not come away with, to your point you made earlier, you need more weapons? I felt like yesterday was the most I've heard Ballard point to weapons being a focus this offseason. We'll see how it unfolds. Again, I think a wide receiver in free agency is a need. I know there's some injury questions with a lot of those guys. and um, Yeah, we'll see. Frank Reich did get a, a tad, a fraction of emotion. And imagining T.Y. still wanting to play. So I know a lot of people write that off, but I think it's something to point out. The Colts clearly think highly of T.Y. Um, so, yeah. Do you think this is a measuring stick, <clears throat> pardon me, um, for Chris Ballard in the sense that we've always had draft capital? We've always had picks. This is the first year where we don't have a lot of picks, and we're going to have to go into free agency more than likely to get some weapons. Do you think this is his first test at free agency? You know, I asked him. It's a good question to bring up. I asked him that question. This is another time that he did. You know, Bowen, he says under his breath before he <laughs> answers the question. You know, I think it's a fair question, and I think deep down Chris would probably admit it as well. And Chris, without a first-round pick, do you feel a sense of urgency to use free agency a little bit more? Um, to me, that answer is yes. You know, he didn't go there. He did use some phrase of like, even if we have to overpay, even if you have to overpay a little bit, I'm okay with that. You know, for Chris Bauer to say that, you know, hell, it's like a, it's like a right. virgin saying they're going to be, <laughs> yeah. you know, walking around naked downtown. You know, it, it's just, it, it's just kind of wild to even go there. So that probably is a horrific analogy. Now that I said it out <laughs> loud. Um, so yeah, I, I think that is, Something that we'll obviously get answers to here in two weeks, and less than two weeks now at this point. But I have always been a big believer. Forty some million in free agency. We'll see once related how that impacts things. Mm-hmm. You got room to make two big splashes, two big ones. Wide out, defensive end. 
next week's podcast will come out with the blueprint of Love the offseason, one of my favorite ones of the year, but yep. that's kind of my early looks there. Um, do we have a Quentin Nelson question in? We have a Nelson question in terms of moving him. Okay, okay. Let's. Let, I'll, I'll touch on Nelson then during Twitter questions. Okay. Uh, anything else Bout related? He mentioned O line, D line, O line. It's really a lot of uncertainty there with names. Um, I, I still think Eric Fisher's your left tackle. Mm-hmm. Um, next year he mentioned, or this coming season, I guess. Um, so yeah. No, nothing, nothing more. This is obviously like we we talked about earlier in the podcast. One of the favorite weeks. Great weather. So much talent in Indianapolis. A lot of coaches, a lot of scouts. If you can get downtown and, and watch any of it, I would advise you to do so. I was there a couple of years ago when Josh Allen was throwing 75-yard bombs. Whipping it. And it's uh, it's fun to take in, at least for a day. Yeah, At least, I, I at least go for one of the days and, and have yourself a good time. I would agree with that wholeheartedly. All right, let's jump to Twitter questions. The first one, and we kind of touched on this earlier when you were talking about Mike Wells, who is just a joy to have on the show all the time. <laughs> And I love your guys' banter back and forth. Conroy says, what did Wells say to get Ballard so hot and bothered? Side note, he called you out. <laughs> that was great, and you're not wrong. Conroy, thank you. Thank you for that. Um, yeah, again, I'm very grateful that Chris uh, Ballard is a listener and a reader. You know, we are on the website, Chris Presley, 1075thefan.com, mm-hmm. written content for those yep. out there that are unfamiliar with that. I believe his wife followed me on Twitter for a bit. I don't have a great track history with coach personnel people following me on Twitter and them agreeing with some of my tweets and, and takes. So it happens. I, I don't, maybe I've lost her as a follower, but, you know, whatever. It is what it is. That's neither here nor <laughs> there. Um, yeah, again, I think I explained that that what that Wells comment a little bit earlier. Find a guy you can believe in. You know, it was I think Chris got a little bit tripped up over his words, not like hugely, but you know, if you really and you know, part of your job, part of my job is this, you know, I've been fortunate to be in a lot of Chris Ballard press conference settings and have conversations with him. You know, you get five years into hell, what is this? Is this year six for him? Yeah, six year. Mm-hmm. You know, part of it is trying to kind of weigh his comments based off previous comments, and it's March 2nd. Words are what we have to go off of. The actions will come in two weeks. The words are this. You kind of have to decipher through words, and I'm trying to explain to our listening audience, and I know some will, will disagree, the tone of how he talks about Carson Wentz shows that he's extremely upset, extremely upset. Will it lead to answers? Again, we're going to find out. But there was another moment where, like, kind of got philosophical on us, Chris, talking about how well, – I thought it was a really good question. I think Holder might have asked him this about Carson hears all this chatter. He hears all of it. You know, I have explained this before. Carson and Andrew Luck have been compared before. Where I think they differ is Andrew Luck doesn't give two shits about the chatter. Carson Wentz does give two shits about the chatter. Like, luck can alienate himself. Carson cannot, even mm-hmm. though they live lives that you feel like are a bit isolated than maybe other quarterbacks in this league. Uh, but I thought it was a fair question, Stephen Holder asked. Again, like, hey, you know, does he hear it? How do you think, you know, he's going to react to it? And Ballard got super philosophical and was just like, if the criticism is fair, and in this case, most of it is fair, and I'm paraphrasing Ballard here, mm-hmm. then you've got to kind of look inner. And acknowledge that and realize what can I do 
to correct the things that are fairly being critiqued. I thought it was just an interesting moment there. But Bauer's a smart dude, man. Yes, he is. He's a smart dude. He gets up in front of that podium. Mm-hmm. He knows what he's doing up there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Conroy was, yeah, kind of a. <laughs> kind of a couple funny little moments. I did, man. I not to get COVID and crazy. It is nice just to drop the mask and get in the old right. press conference environment. Frank Reich walked away yesterday because we do a little podium out in the hallway. Not a podium, more of a scrum out in the hallway. Frank walked away. He's like, "Whoa, that was intimate." You know, I'm not, I'm not used to that. And by the way, for those that are listening on Wednesday, we're gonna have Frank Reich on our morning show tomorrow, 9 a.m. Thursday morning. Kevin and Query, uh, DM me if you don't know how to listen to that. You can listen online. At 1075thefan.com, YouTube, uh, we'll have live uh, with that as well. Yeah, and if you're watching this on uh, YouTube, I will put the link to their uh, to the podcast below. Awesome. Thank you for that. <clears throat> this one comes from Why Bother? <laughs> Do you hear any buzz? <clears throat> pardon me. Do you hear any buzz about Jordan Love? One, do you think the Packers would trade him? And two, would the Colts make a move? I really want him out of the draft, and I know a lot of the Colts fans did as well. What are your thoughts there? You know, pretty popular question that I get here. Um, And I know that I've explained this on the show. I don't know if I've done it here on the podcast. So basically this is the behind the scenes about Jordan Love. You know, Chris Ballard is not a guy that red flags uh, weed issues in college. He's not a believer of that. Um, What frustrates him is when you – get in trouble enough to be suspended, potentially arrested. I mean, Chris, you kind of got to go out of your way to be a prominent college athlete and get busted for pot. Right. You know, <laughs> you, you really got to be doing it a lot or just not the brightest bulb. Um, so with love, and correct me if I'm wrong, Chris, did he get suspended for his bowl game? I think he did. I'd have to look it up. Let me look it up real quick. Yeah, look that up. Um but I know that is what kind of, like, rubbed Ballard the wrong way. It's like, dude, here you are, this quarterback at Utah State. Um, maybe it's just arrested a couple of days before. Um, um, it was a misdemeanor. He got a citation. Yeah. Charges were dropped. You know, it, it, I or think a misdemeanor was, citation, charges were dropped. Sorry, my mic wasn't on. I think it was more of just like, dude, you're getting arrested like a couple days before your bowl game when like this is this is huge for you, you know? Um especially like you said, like they didn't have a season like being a smaller school guy. Yeah. You, know, you have getting to, that prominent chance on national television, et right. cetera, et cetera. Um so yeah, I think that's something that um rubbed Bauer the wrong way. I know Bauer and him had a one on one via Zoom a couple nights before the draft back in 2020. Ballard didn't love that. Again, it's a very high standard, that leadership one at quarterback. So um, Now, granted, that was back when you know, you're thinking about making Jordan Love a first-round pick. If the asking price was a fourth-rounder, whatever. But also, if I'm the Packers, I'm kind of like, I mean, don't I mean, Rodgers, you, you never know, man. Tomorrow he could just be like, all right, I'm going to Hawaii for the rest of my life, and I'll <laughs> never see anybody again. You know, like I, I don't think it's something that you can necessarily like – 100% bank on, so I'd probably want to retain him if yeah. I were the Packers. Right. This next one comes from Daniel. You've mentioned it before that Jim Irsay isn't a fan of Carson Wentz and wants to move on. Do you think Chris Ballard would be moving on from Wentz if Irsay wasn't influencing, influencing his decision? Thanks and keep up the great work. 
Daniel, it's a good, it's a good question. Thank you for that. Um, maybe a little bit more hesitant, but I think Ballard is a pretty independent thinker. At the same time, um, you know, I know Ballard. He probably doesn't love that he gave away first and a third, and now he's backed into this corner for sure. Um, Chris, is just this is my educated gut talking. Okay, ten is. I want to get rid of that. Like Rosie just had a blowout diaper and we can't get that out of the house quick enough. (laughs) And one is I want to hug tiger walking off the 18th green after winning the 2019 masters. All right. So that's where we're at in this one to 10 scale. I can't wait till Rosie gets to go back and listen to some of these. (laughs) God, that thought never even crossed my mind, but I probably should think about that. Boy, there goes any chance I had of being dad of the the year. Um, I think Ursay is about a 9.2. Get rid of them. I think Ballard's about an 8.1, and I think Reich's about a 3.6. That that wide of a spectrum. I think Reich, but again, Chris, I think, I know I've talked about this, I think part of it is just Frank Reich, how he's wired as a human. Hard to say, hard to let go. Hard to let go. That's part of being a coach. Part of it, part of it. Um, so, Chris, if that's a three-person vote, that's two to one. Math is, mm-hmm. I thought, was a strong suit at one point <laughs> in my life. Not in Paul Schroeder's geometry class. <laughs> you know, that, that that's two to one. Does Ursa carry even more weight than one, one, one in terms of the votes? Um, so, yeah, I, I Daniel, it's, it's a good question. But I, I don't think, I think Bauer's pretty pissed, man. I, I don't think it was, you know, Ursa's influence is really impacting him to that degree. Because you feel like, do you think Ballard feels like, okay, well, I'm, I, I'm tied to him because of you. I gave, I gave yeah. him, I gave you him because right. you, you said he would do this. And when you say you, you mean Ballard's saying to Reich, right? You um, told me if we brought him in, right, it would be better, and it's not. Yes. And, and how much do those two games at the end? If if we go to the playoffs, does this matter? To me. I still think you've got to look in the mirror and point out your warts even when you want to acknowledge success, if that makes sense. You know, I think too many times, I know I've brought this up before, but Notre Dame, a lot of success early on in the Brian Kelly tenure, yet he fires his strength and conditioning coach, one of his best friends in his wedding. You know, they had had success at that point. Kelly looked at his program and said, and I, when I say program out loud, I think Joey Molinaro, Nick, <laughs> Nick Saban program. Where can we get better? Where can we raise the ceiling? That's where he identified it. Hard decision, fractured a relationship, I assume. Notre Dame reaches the playoff twice in the next four years. Like, he made a sacrifice, and it paid off. Like, that's where I think, would it be to this stain? Would it be to this level, Chris? Yeah, but, like, just because maybe the Colts wouldn't be sitting in the, maybe they'd be in the third row of quarterback hell instead of the first row that they feel like they're in now or the second row if you want to take that analogy mm-hmm. and, and and keep it going. Um, I feel like there was something else I was going to say. Oh, Ballard-related, and you guys have heard me talk about this. It's not like he wanted Matthew Stafford that much. So I don't think it was like a, I'm on Stafford, you're on Wentz, and I'm going to agree with you because you're going to coach him. I don't want people to think that. Mm-hmm. Yes, he did ultimately have belief in Frank Reich, but you know what? I always think about this with the Grigson, Chuck Pagano era. I think Chuck Pagano and his coaching staff struggled in the development standpoint with many draft prospects. Right. 
but Ryan Grigson, you hired Chuck Pagano. <laughs> and like though you know, you if we're making a ladder, Chris, it goes head coach, or excuse me, it goes owner, GM, head coach. Mm-hmm. So like there is a level of part of being a successful GM is not just what you do in the draft. You also are hiring the right people to coach the players that you are identifying. So that is something as well. We're talking about coaching. Jason wants to know what other positions are still open for the Colts. We obviously got a lot of defensive coaches in in the last couple of weeks. What else is still out there? So I guess the Reggie Wayne stuff should be official. And, you know, one thing about Reggie, Chris, and you know, Frank talked about this yesterday. I do think he's going to bring a championship mentality. I loved Reggie's work ethic. Mm-hmm. Loved Reggie's work ethic. Um, I think a good thing about Reggie too is, Chris, he's not Calvin Johnson. So it's not like he's going to watch film with these guys and be like. Wait, you can't contort your body and jump 43 inches in the air and then run 4-3 down the field? Right. Reggie Wayne, very, like, average testing numbers, freak athletic ability numbers. So I think that will help him be a little bit more relatable to some of these guys. You know, too often times it's like, well, Patrick Ewing is not having coaching success. Well, <laughs> well Patrick Ewing was seven foot and incredibly gifted post player and played in a totally different era than yeah. how the game is, you know, in today's basketball. So I think that is something to point out about Rent Wayne. Having said that, Chris, I could have, you know, Peyton Manning and my quarterback's coach and, you know, Troy Palomalu is my DB coach and Lawrence Taylor is my defensive end coach. And you got to have better ingredients in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. To your earlier point, you know, Matt tweeted at me on Friday. And I just died laughing. I think I immediately, honestly, went to the fridge. I typically go to the <laughs> fridge a little bit earlier on on Fridays, uh, full full transparency. And Matt goes, uh, "What does it say about our wideout group when the wide receivers coach is the second best wideout?" But to your point, oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> to your point, one of the things that I think would would be great for Reggie Wayne being the wide receiver coach. Look at the way that he took Andrew Luck under his wing his rookie year. I think yeah. there are certain wide receivers. And T.Y. Hilton was in the building to witness that. Yeah, there there are certain wide receivers. I think Larry Fitzgerald would be one as well. They understand the way the quarterback works in the pocket, the way the quarterback scrambles, how to get open in a zone. You have to – it's it's not always a position group like we're going to – you're in this room, we're in this room, we're in this room. They work together. I think Reggie Wayne would be able to take young guys under his wing and help a young quarterback and those young wide receivers work together to make something happen. Reggie Wayne is um, he's wired the right way. Mm-hmm. You know, There's a reason Frank, I think, has been courting him for several years. Now, again, there is a huge, huge uptick in the grind that Reggie Wayne's about to witness. I mean, it's stupid how long some of these coaches work and, and feel like they need to be in the building. And that's why Mathis said he didn't want to do it. Because you know, it's, it's, too much, it's a lot of work. It, it, I mean, it's a ton. So, you know, that is going to be a jump. But I do feel like um, he is someone that will be good. So I think that's it, right? <clears throat> the D-line coach, Nate Ollie, is a Ball State product, a very nondescript resume. Coach Chris. of Tennessee. Did he? Mm-hmm. I think that was it Eastern Kentucky. Was that a stop? I thought at some I point. I think so, yeah. Before Tennessee and then Jets. I want to say was it's always most- fun looking at these guys like Wikipedia and just seeing. I love looking at their bios. the way that they just. Yeah. I'm an assistant, and and it's always funny too. Like look at Cato June. It's like I'm a running back coach this year, but then I'm a linebacker coach the next year. Like 
they just grind. They love those are the guys that love football. Right. I was talking with somebody that played with Nate Ali at Ball State. I was like, "Tell me about him. You know, how's he wired? He's like, great, great dude. Not going to be an mf'er. Um, and had a nice career at Ball State. Uh, undersized. It is interesting to me that that position. I don't know. Maybe the Colts are blown away by Nate Ali in a in a interview setting. Couldn't attract someone a little bit more of note. You know, I to me that D line room would be one you'd want to walk into from yeah. the standpoint of. You've got a first and a second round pick who just wrapped up their rookie seasons. One was injured for half the year. You've got other young draft picks in that room. You've got DeForest Buckner. You've got Grover Stewart, a great defensive tackle pairing. You know how much Chris Ballard loves D-line. I thought that would be very attractive. And Ali's resume, again, does not scream like he's at the top of the, you know, resume um, stack, if you will. But, boy, what a big hire that is. Mm -hmm. Man, it's a huge hire. Uh, you got to develop paying a dangbo. Yeah, absolutely. You're going to hear me say that a lot over the next few months. Pay and a dangbo. You're able to develop them. You start talking about January. And those guys know it too. Start talking about January. All right, Kevin, this one comes from Brian. Colts offseason needs in 2019, 20, and 21. QB playmaker, wide receiver, or QB playmaker, wide receiver, tied in to stretch the field. Ballard was bullish on anyone but Stafford. We all saw the Super Bowl and the game on the line. Think players, not plays. Stafford gets a Super Bowl. People have finally started to see what I have said since Ballard had picked the sixth overall player with Quentin Nelson. His roster mismanagement is now center stage. Do you trust Chris Ballard's talent evaluation at impact positions and why? Love the podcast and keep up the great work. Thanks, Brian. Um, well, certainly defensive line. You talk impact positions, that, that's been an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, you look at the other impact positions. Quarterback, nothing of substance. You know, I have no issue with the Jacob Eason, Sam Ellinger draft picks. No issue with them. When you don't know your answer, throw a dart at a board, see if it hits a quarterback. If not, whatever. Uh, now, how they handle Eason, probably more of an issue there. Offensive tackle, to be honest with you, they just haven't really tried, which is an issue, but it's not like they have swung and missed. They just haven't swung. I'm like, you know, what are we doing here? Wide receiver's been pretty mixed results. You know, Pittman, certainly a hit. Campbell, I, you know, I, I guess that's a swing and a miss, but, I mean, that's so much injury-related. I mm-hmm. can't, you know, r- rip him for that. Cornerback's been kind of meh. Um, so when you look at the impactful positions, and this probably gets back to Brian's point, they haven't really tried at a lot of the spots. They have in some areas, but it's like, you know? Yeah. This is a roster that it's not 1 to 22. It's not 1 to 53. That's like 1 to 5 and then a drop off. Like that's how you have to view things as a roster constructor in the NFL. Well, this week at the Combine, one of the first groups is going to be the tight end group. A lot of people are looking at that from the Colts' perspective. One of those people was Adam. He wants to know, looking at the tight end position, he thought that was a saving grace for New England. Thought it was the most underutilized piece for the Colts' offense. For instance, the season, Doyle was averaging three targets a game, Moale Cox two, Granson less than one. I know you talked about Moale Cox last week. What do you see coming out of the combine, and where do we go from there? Yeah, you know, Naeem Hines I probably throw into this group, and Ballard mentioned him yesterday as, you know, one of the three weapons feels like the Colts definitely have with Pittman and Taylor. 
and the underutilization there. I was surprised. I thought Carson Wentz is known as a good seam thrower. I thought we'd see a little bit more there. Jack Doyle, we'll see if he comes back and plays. Um, I, it's a need you got an upgrade. You know, and Ballard has acknowledged this need before. You know, he's publicly mentioned how tight end is something. I think there are a couple of names in free agency mm-hmm. that are a bit intriguing. Um, obviously, Molly Cox is a free agent. Um, so, yeah, I think tight end is something that, especially if you are going to choose to not go deeper into wideout, you know, you got to supplement in some other areas. Hines and tight end would be two of those areas. Right. I always I have a feeling that if, if there was a way to get Njoku and Moelle Cox on the field at the same time, just from an athletic standpoint, that's a yeah, pretty good two tight ends to have out David there. David Njoku is good, a good-looking tight end. I know Mike Isecki, if I'm not mistaken, is another free agent tight end as well. So, again, I do think there are some names to keep an eye on yeah. uh, this offseason. All right, we're going to go to a question from JJ. Haven't heard, of much, haven't heard much about Jacob Eason nor Sam Ellinger can play at the NFL next level. Neither were a plan B if Wentz did not work out. Why did Chris Ballard draft them if they can't play and won't ever play? Couldn't the quarterback whisperer do anything with them? I guess I kind of hit on this a couple of minutes ago, Chris. Like, I have no issue with the Easton Ellinger draft picks. Zero issue. The issue for me is probably where J.J. references won't ever play. Like, you going to draft Jacob Easton in the fourth round. When you make that selection, at some point as an organization, you sit there and say, all right, guys, we got to commit to him being the backup at some point if he shows promise, and that means we're willing to put him into a game. Mm-hmm. Well, they were willing to have him as the backup for the first, what, two weeks of the season, and he throw a handful of passes to end the Rams game in an awful situation he gets thrown into, <laughs> and all of a sudden you sit there and say, nope, screw that. We want Brett Hundley to be the backup. Yeah. What are we doing here? Jacob Eason has played one year of football in the last five years. No position in sports. Takes a bigger jump than practice, than play, than quarterback. You literally wear a different color jersey, Chris, in practice. Yeah. So the Eason thing is where I have the issue. Ellinger, I mean, it's fine. Like, Jack Cohn is going to be a number three QB for some NFL team this coming season. Like, it's just the reality of the position. You're going to have some guys that, are going to be there. Um, I think the argument, J.J., again, is not having a long enough leash with Eason. And then, two, is it time to take a bigger swing at quarterback in the draft? Wentz was a big swing, but a bigger swing draft-related. I mean, Eason was what? Pick number 122 was popping in my head? Like, I mean, yeah, that's a long time. That's 32 teams passing on him quite a bit. Yeah. All right, we got three more. This one is a nice little hypothetical from Craig. Off-season list, if you were the GM, Kevin, and you had to make a splash, would you, one, go after Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson, two, trade Quentin Nelson, Jonathan Taylor, or Darius Leonard for a superstar or a high draft pick, or three, mortgage the team's future by by trading away future picks for a high number one next year? Hmm. You know, I'd probably want to trade away Nelson, Taylor, or Leonard for a superstar quarterback. Obviously, you'd have to throw a little bit else in there. And I agreed with Ballard yesterday. No one is untouchable on this roster. No one. If you get a franchise quarterback, you're trading away. No, I'm trading me. Mm -hmm. I'm trading away Nelson or Leonard. If you literally say to me, 
Kevin, you can trade away Quentin Nelson or Darius Leonard, and you will get a franchise quarterback. To me, franchise quarterback means I've got quarterback for the next eight to ten years. Yep. We can make perennial playoff runs. I say the private jet will be at Quentin Nelson and Darius <laughs> Leonard's backyard, and we'll, we'll helicopter out. I, I don't know what we need to do. God bless them. Great players. Tremendous draft picks. All of that, but. One puts his hand in the dirt, and another one plays defense. Yeah. Like, it just, it, it's, yeah. Um, so, I, I, I would do that. Um, I mean, sure, you'd love to go after Rodgers or Wilson. You know, Morgan's a team future by trading away future picks for a high one next year. It's just hard to, I mean, it's hard to truly know. Tanking in the NFL, which I think that's a degree of tanking, hard to do that, really hard to do that. And that's where stuff with Ursay because he's a football guy, but you're also an owner. <laughs> there's money, and there's there's winning football games, and you know, you got to go for a quarterback at some point. This one's from Tyler. We got two more. Just finished last weekend's pod. You nailed it on the head when discussing that there is no fire from the head coach or quarterback like Manning, etc. With that being said, would a guy like Baker Mayfield? with his potential character and confidence, uh, would he fit with this this uh, this regime? Baker. Oh, um, no, no. I, Chris, to me, Baker's fire is like, you know, <laughs> it's your 21st birthday and you just rip six shots and you're ready to go. That's, you know. Bouncing around a little bit more, a little bit more pep in the step. You think you got dance moves that you would not show on a Monday at 9 a.m.? Like, um, yeah. I, you think it looks good, but it doesn't. And, and I get it. Yeah, exactly. I, I get it, Chris. Like, these are the questions that have to be. This is not the first Baker question that I've gotten, so I don't want to, like, laugh off the question. But, yeah, it's just you throw out all these quarterback scenarios. None of them sound perfect by any means. And I get it, Baker had an injury, and I, I just, no. There's just a lot of volatility there. Yeah. I don't think the reward is worth it. Could be some commercial shot here in Indy. <laughs> certainly, certainly not. All right, the last one is going to be one we'll end on, which is uh, going to be a higher note and a funnier note. Do you know if Gus Bradley has a crazy wife that rage treats like Flus's wife did? <laughs> Oh man, Drew. I brought up um Flus's wife a few years or a few months ago on the radio and boy, I don't think I was received too well. Uh, I still laugh at that tweet that she sent. Immature water girl is who she referenced. Mm-hmm. You know, back uh back during the COVID days. Yeah. Nothing like a future NFL trainer we're calling an immature <laughs> water girl. Um yeah, I don't know. Gus Bradley seems like a good good dude. Really good. I I, I Listen, and I talk to people, and I feel like, all right, there's a reason why a lot of players speak highly of Gus Bradley. So um, be anxious to see how he views his personnel and if he's open-minded to tweaks or anything there with that group. Yeah. Is that everything? That's all I got. Cool. All right, man, um, next week, early next week, we'll probably get back into like a, a Tuesday pod. I wanted to hear from Ballard. And Reich yesterday at the Combine. Again, Frank Reich will be on our show tomorrow morning. That's 9 a.m. Um, right here in Indianapolis, 93.5, The Fan. And then on um, Tuesday, we'll probably do the blueprint. Blueprint for the offseason. Remember, 
two weeks from today, the new league year starts. But, Chris, 12 days from now, it's that legal tampering period. You know, Monday of that free agency week is when you start to get the agreed to terms and all mm-hmm. that stuff. So these deals are going down right here in Indianapolis right now. Yep. <laughs> they are going down all over town, usually um, at night. By the way, the last team, there's a lot of team radio and podcast crews that come to the Combine. Can you take a guess as the last team that showed up to the Combine this morning? New England. Actually, no, they're probably first. Last team, uh, Raiders. Duh, Raiders. Were they? And, dude, they <laughs> they look like they just walked right out of Tiki Bob's. They Tiki went Bob's straight to Slippery thing? Noodle. I think it is. I don't know. We're getting older. What, I, think, I think it is. Rebel changed its name, right? Uh, I thought it did. They might have. Thought Revel changed. His I name, was never right? a club guy. I'm more of a dive bar guy. Yeah, I, I would agree. I I got exposed quite often. Give me some pool out. tabs and some beer, and we're Ended good to go. In a club, um, the Raiders crew. If you like, took off their Raiders gear and just said, "Which NFL team do they belong to?" You could have guessed Raiders right away. <laughs> right. I love. I love the toughness of. That's funny. My brother. My brother in law is a huge Raiders fan, so I'm gonna have to let him know that. <laughs> Uh, Combine week. Hope everybody's enjoying it, uh, having fun if they're downtown Indianapolis. Uh, loving the weather that we have right now. He's Chris Press. I'm Kevin Bowen. Everybody enjoy the start of March, and we'll get deeper into free agency next week on Kevin's Corner. This has been Kevin Bowen. Thank you for listening to another edition of Kevin's Corner. If you haven't already, subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher for the best Colts and Pacers coverage.